So today we're going to be carrying on, uh, well, carrying on starting. Uh, this is going to go well, I can tell already. Uh, our sermon series called Sync. Um, and so we're in the, we're going to be kicking off this kind of this mini series over the summer period, which is super exciting because it means that we're going to kind of be, be focusing on this concept of singing, what it means for us as Christians, um, or if you're kind of exploring what it could mean for you as a Christian, um, to, to really get hold of what God would say about singing for us. And what's super exciting is that over the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing from a bunch of our very own six o'clock members who don't normally kind of preach that much. So people like Foxy, Billy, Elliot, uh, Dings and Catherine are all, going to be ex- are all going to be preaching, which is super exciting. You've got me kicking off, so you have to deal with that one. Um, and it's going to be great. We're going to be looking at topics like why singing is important, um, uh, kind of the way in which singing can help us with our minds and our hearts as well, um, how singing even could be like a missional thing, so like sharing to other people um, about Jesus. So it'll be really great. Please come along. Please keep coming, and it'll be great. Now, I don't know what kind of came to your mind when I said that we're going to be looking at singing for the next uh, for the next few weeks. Some of you might be kind of like, "Yes, this is my moment. Like, this is my jam. Greatest Showman, Frozen. Like, we are all there. Put on like put on like Les Mis, and I will be up here, right here. Like, why why are you chatting, Nick? To be honest, let's start singing. Like right now, let's not talk. Let's sing. Others of you, like your palms are getting sweaty. Like you're sort of like, oh no. And the only song in your head is that goodbye, goodbye and you're straight out the door. Um, Now, wherever you are on the spectrum between kind of being the neighborhood alarm clock by kind of loudly singing good morning, good morning, uh, every morning in the shower, to the the last time you remember enjoying singing, being like that kind of harvest festival in like year five where you're singing Lord of the Dance. Um, Like this, it actually is for you. uh, Because actually what hopefully we'll see is that singing is something for all of us. Singing is a gift from God that is good for us and we can enjoy it together. And so things are going to be a little bit different. We had kind of our little kind of call to worship, I guess, to start with. I'm going to be chatting for the next 15, 20 minutes. And then we're going to go back into a time of singing um, as a time of response, a little bit longer, where we can all do this thing together. Um, but before we kind of get there, and before we kind of dig into what the Bible says, I just thought we'd take a moment to kind of work out why it is we have this love-hate relationship with singing in some ways. And I kind of use we as kind of the corporate we there, because I think it's important to say that not for all of us, singing isn't the thing that we enjoy most. Um, I know that in some ways I'm probably not the best person to talk right now because I, mean, I kind of lead worship on a Sunday, a bit at church. I, I, um, I, I kind of... I, enjoy singing myself, growing up kind of singing in choirs and all that sorts of things. Um, but the reality is for a lot of us, it might not be as comfortable. And sometimes kind of we can see that when we're, when we're kind of on stage leading worship. Sometimes you can look out and you can see that there's a level of discomfort inside some people. Like, why are we doing this thing? This doesn't kind of really work for me. Um, and I think kind of the things that I was thinking about, um, these are broad, broad uh, generalizations a little, I will confess that. Um, but I think for kind of for guys, some of the things that can hold us back uh, when it comes to singing are things like um, kind of it kind of it gets in touch with our emotions a little bit. And we all know that as men, we have the emotional capacity and intelligence of a potato. Um, and also that it can kind of be seen as not very manly in a lot of ways to kind of burst 
burst out into song, um, perhaps because it plays with our emotions a little bit. Um, and I guess kind of, uh, I'd say fair enough in some ways, but also there's a kind of a level of nonsense inside of those um, because the reality is we have emotions. Like, we aren't potatoes. And so, in many ways, we just need to deal with that. Like, it's healthy for us to be in touch with our emotions, to be able to express ourselves through, through kind of, through singing, through crying, through, um, through vulnerability. Like, it isn't weak to show those things at all. And in the sense of kind of whether it's manly or not, I guess kind of the thing that I'd say to that was I realized that maybe it's more to do with me uh, in terms of my kind of comfortableness to do with singing, my confidence with singing when I started to watch rugby a lot more. Um, and what you see is you see these quite big, burly, beer-drinking, beards-like growing men who are quite a lot bigger than, than you or I, happily blaring out songs and like the biggest one of all of this the Scottish national rugby team before every match belt out a song which starts oh flower Scotland they're singing about a flower <laughs> and they're fine with it singing is not necessarily unmanly if that's the case like we very happily sung about Gareth Southgate for a lot of the time over the last couple of months and so I think maybe I'm being a little bit blunt there I apologize um, but I want to kind of deliberately show you that actually maybe it's more to do with us Maybe it's to do with a choice thing about whether or not we choose to engage or not, whether we choose to sing or not, whether we're confident enough to sing. And, and kind of, I think in many ways, that, that hook of confidence is something that speaks for women as well. Um, I was chatting to my sister and my, and my girlfriend a little bit about this. And what they were kind of saying was that, uh, was that this confidence thing can really be how it can outwork for women sometimes. That maybe in a Sunday context, you're aware that kind of, maybe your voice isn't quite as good as the people on stage. Um, the, the songs don't really fit naturally that well with your voice all the time. You're just a little bit self-conscious about the people around you. Um, and kind of what they helped me to kind of see is that in some ways again it's this to do with are, are we going to make the choice to do it or not are we going to choose to put that pressure on ourselves or not because the reality is I think and what they were suggesting is that actually it is self-imposed pressure because think about it like think about the person you've seen next to last week or the last time you're in church can you remember much about their voice can you remember much about how they were singing what they were singing that suggests that maybe, just maybe, it's more something we put on ourselves rather than actually something kind of that's a real kind of pressure put on by other people. And yes, I also agree that there's a level where sometimes we don't help ourselves in terms of the keys that we sing things in and CDs and, and off the stage. Um, but what is important to understand and, and, and what kind of they were saying is that actually the important thing is God wants people's hearts. He doesn't care whether you're in tune or not. He doesn't care whether your voice is all over the shop like this. What he wants is you. What he wants is, 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 is your love because he loves you ultimately. And so let's start to look at this, the Bible. See why it is that God would say singing is important. And we're going to start um, right at the very start, Genesis 1. Um, just to let you know, we're going to look at a bit at the start of the Bible, a bit at the end of the Bible, and then just kind of end up in the middle um, to kind of close us. So Genesis 1, uh, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. 
Now, that's not necessarily a direct reference there to seeing, but notice what happens. God, the perfect triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that's been together for all of eternity, has decided to create, decided to say how wonderful would it be if others could share in the relationship that we've enjoyed. And so they create the universe. They create all things. And the way that the Father does that is he speaks. He says, let there be light, and there was light. He uses his voice. And that means that for us as well, our voices perhaps have some power. That to, to, to speak, to, to use our vocal cords is to reflect something in the Godhead itself. It says in Job 38, um, it says, the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy at this moment. That creation, this act of worship, this act of singing was something that was happening. That the overflow of God creating became song became worshipped by other things, by the angels, by, by the stars themselves, singing of the wonder of this creator God. And then it carries on. We see in, later on in Genesis 1, when God creates humanity, he says, let us make man or humanity in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion, authority over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It means that you and I, we are created in the image of this one who speaks. That we ourselves, our voices reflect the God himself. That they have authority, that they have power. And I think that's why songs resonate so much with us. That because we're made in the image of God, when we use our voices, it resonates so deeply within us. Because just as God speaks and things are created, so we speak, so we sing, and power is given out by those words. We speak a lot about how the words that we use have power over us, for good or for bad. How words can, can build up but also destroy. It's just the same as singing. And so in the act of singing, we, we enter into something that reflects the Godhead. And I think that's why songs resonate so deeply within us. It's why, why songs can move us emotionally in ways that words just can't. How things, how equally they can move us to stirring choruses. Think about the football terraces, how we're all very happily singing, it's coming home, it's coming home. We'll do that together and be excited. We'll feel joy at that moment. But yet also songs can move us to tears. Like a bridge over troubled water, for example, can be incredibly moving. These songs can move us and shape us. They can move us to love, in fact. I mean, who isn't slightly moved by the silky tones of Enrique singing Hero? Like... <laughs> These things move us and shape us in ways that words just can't. And that's because we're made in the image of God. And so the words that we use, the songs that we sing have power. And that is one reason why we sing, because we're created to do so. We have voices. And so God would say, use them. Secondly, I guess we're commanded to sing inside of Scripture. There are over 400 different references to singing inside the Bible. 50 of those are direct commands to do so. And throughout the Bible, you see time and time again about how people's responses to God is that they sing. You see, um, say Moses, after um, Israel was brought out of Egypt, um, they brought through the Red Sea. What's he do? He sings. He does it with Miriam. A another chapter, you see it. Um, 
I guess, um, in someone like Deborah in the book of Judges. After she rescues and judges Israel, she sings as a response to what God has done. We see inside the book of Psalms, literally 150 songs to God, many of whom have this instruction and this call, this appeal to sing. We see it um, tracking along inside of the New Testament. See people like um, Mary. She sings in, in Luke 1, the Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord. Why? Because she has looked on him, looking at her, saying in you, or in you, the, the God himself will be born and be brought into, into the world and salvation will come through him. And she says, what can I do but sing as a response to this? We see it with Jesus and disciples at the Last Supper. They sing together. And so both there is this command to sing, but there's also a compelling reason to sing as well. That in light of what God does, the response that God's people do, that all of eternity, all of the heavens, all of the angels do, is that they sing in turn. And I think the best example of this that I could think of was inside of Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. Um, and what, just to kind of unpack it a little bit before we dig into it, Revelation is a book that, uh, that the Apostle John, one of Jesus' disciples, is given. It's, it's literally this unveiling of God's God's kind of view of history. And four and five are kind of these two chapters which show the heavenly throne room, that show God seated on the throne and how people respond to him. And so he gets this vision inside of Revelation 4, and he sees this, this mighty throne, that from the throne, he says, came flashes of lightning, and rumblings, and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God, round the throne, on each side of the throne, there are four living creatures, full of eyes, in front and behind. And what happens? The four living creatures, day and night, they never cease to say, never cease to sing, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. A song that the, that the heavens have been singing since for all of eternity. It's linked backwards inside of Isaiah 6 where he gets a song. He gets a vision inside of the heavens. And what does he see? All of the heavens sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That for all of creation, this song has been going around that in light of what God has done, in light of the God, the Father's creator, people sing holy is he, worthy is he of praise. But John carries on because what he sees is a scroll. He sees a scroll wrapped up next to the next to the Father. And this scroll represents all of history. And and John ends up weeping. He ends up crying because what he sees is that is that if this scroll is never unraveled, then then history will never come to an end. But actually, the, the cycles that we see inside of our world of injustice, of suffering, of humans breaking relationships will only carry on. That there is no hope if this scroll remains sealed. That darkness maybe will actually have the final say. And so he breaks down. He begins to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. But then... Revelation 5, 5, one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And this moment you expect the lion to come roaring in. You expect a triumphant warrior to come storming in and everyone to be bowing down before him. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb 
standing as though it had been slain. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the lamb and they started singing a new song, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain. By your blood, you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying and singing with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under earth and in the sea, all, everything saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. What that is saying is a picture of when Jesus comes to earth, the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world, that he is once and for all said that darkness will never have the last word. And that in response to him, heaven sings a new song. For all of eternity, that song was holy, holy, holy. And now, in light of Jesus, hanging on a cross for you and for me, being poured out for all, the song changes to worthy is the lamb who was slain. All of heaven cries out with one song, saying worthy is he. And so just as we are created to sing, just as we are commanded to sing, so we're compelled to sing because of what Christ has done for us. Looking at him, fixing our eyes on him as the one who is worthy to receive praise, worthy to receive the power that's in our voices back to him. So we sing because we're compelled to. I'll end with this. Um, there's a book in kind of the middle of the Bible called Zephaniah. Um, Zephaniah is one of the is one of the prophets, um, and he and he's writing in a time when Israel is uh, when Israel is going through a bit of a bleak patch. Israel is split into a northern kingdom, Israel, and a southern king, Judah. And the northern kingdom, Israel, has been brought into exile. It's been destroyed by the Assyrians. And so what happens um, is that Zephaniah is pronouncing God's judgment upon all the nations, upon Israel themselves. He's giving warnings. It's, it's quite grim reading for about three chapters, if I'm honest. It's full of anger, full of wrath, full of God righteously judging people. But then Zephaniah gets a picture of Jesus. He gets a picture of what things are about to be like. That in light of who God really is, the response is that we sing. And that he says this. On that day, you shall not be put to shame because of the deeds by which you've rebelled against me. For then I'll remove from your midst your proudly exultant ones. And you shall no longer be haughty in my holy mountain. But I will leave in your midst a people humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. Those who are left in Israel, God's people, they shall do no injustice, speak no lies, nor shall there be found in their mouth a deceitful tongue. For they shall graze and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. So what's he say? Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away any and all judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. 
on that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not. O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. He will quiet you by his love. What would it look like for God to sing over you? We sing because God sings over us. What would happen if God was to raise his voice over to you and sing in turn? I love this from John Piper who says this, when God spoke at the beginning, the heavens and the earth were created. Perhaps at the end then the new heavens and the new earth will be created when God exalts over his people with loud singing. When I think of the voice of God singing, I hear the booming of Niagara Falls mingled with the trickle of a mossy mountain stream. I hear the blast of Mount St. Helens mingled with a kitten's purr. I hear the power of an East Coast hurricane with the barely audible puff of a night snow in the woods. And I hear the unimaginable roar of the sun, 865,000 miles thick, 1,300,000 times bigger than the earth, and nothing but fire, 1 million degrees centigrade on the cooler surface of the corona. But I hear this unimaginable roar mingled with the tender, warm crackling of the living room logs on a cozy winter's night. And when I hear this singing, I stand dumbfounded, staggered, speechless, that he is singing over me. He is rejoicing over my good with all of his heart and with all of his soul. We sing because God sings. We sing because he's created us to do so. We sing because he's commanded us to do so, but we sing because he compels us to do so, that what he has done is so worthy of us giving back that so we do it.